Today's the day that we talk about steamer projections. Fangraphs has some projections up. Uh, no Zips projections yet. Excited to talk about those when they do come out. But we'll work with the steamer anyways. And there are some interesting numbers on the steamer, the Peter Apple. And I want to talk about on Tuesday, January 10th. I am in Culver City, California. Peter's stopping grounds. He's in New York. You're hearing this after the fact. But wasn't it crazy when... TCU covered, but Georgia won, and Stetson Bennett ran for a touchdown, and Max Duggan threw for a couple touchdowns yesterday? Yes, it was crazy. I think we are, you know how the Apple has the geek squad? Yeah. We are pre-gaming the national championship by laughing Talking and about giggling and projecting other people's projections on Fangraphs. If that doesn't scream the Just Baseball show, then I don't know what does, but yeah, it was great when Georgia won, but I think TCU just won. They're a great team because great teams cover, right? It's the team of destiny versus the juggernauts. That's how I have uh, spoke about it on my TikTok. It's all the three and four star recruits against every five star recruit in the country. But TCU, man, they just don't lose. But this is a baseball show. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. Yes, welcome to the Just Baseball Show. Uh, I am very excited to, to be in attendance for that one. It's fun. And I've, I've seen a couple awesome. of guys out in L.A. that I love. So that'll be great. But, yeah, we're going to talk about projections here. And uh, the way we did it is we each picked five things that really stood out to us. And we're almost going to frame it as over or under, right? This guy is associated with this projected number. Does he go over or under that number? I've got five. You got five. You go first. I'll bring up the rear. And it's going to be important before um, that we hit these over and unders because we just talked about our bets for the national championship and most likely Georgia wins by 60. They do win and Max and uh, Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, neither of them run for a touchdown. So let's hit these. Let's hit these. Um, so he, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I'm just talking about it. I'm not putting my money where my mouth is. But yeah, you're not. Uh, I uh, I. I had this conversation with a couple of uh, buddies yesterday. Like, where does Stetson Bennett live next September, this coming September? Is it Athens, Georgia, or anywhere else? Because he's not an NFL quarterback. Like, do you think he just commits to owning the car dealership in Athens and never paying for lunch ever when he goes out again? If he wins this game, I do think, like, if he wins this game easily and plays phenomenally, I do think he's going to get picked up by a team. Don't you think so? You don't think he's going to get drafted at all? I know he's two years older than Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or he's somewhere in that age range. But the one of the most successful quarterbacks in college football history, like Tebow, got picked up. And I feel like Stetson is a better NFL draft prospect than Tebow was. Hell no. I just feel like Hell no. You don't think so? Like in the no. sixth round, he'll get picked up by Not somebody? Not at all, dude. I don't think so. I mean, Stetson, like, he's he's being protected by the best offensive lineman in America. Okay. He's 
what, 5'10 on his best day, like when he gets out of bed and he's his tallest because apparently gravity shrinks you by like, a, what, an eighth of an inch every day. Uh, and then you sleep and you stretch out again. Um, and he's just like not as physically gifted or talented as like a Tebow or even I'm thinking older quarterback, right? Brandon Whedon got picked. Whedon got picked out of Oklahoma state when he was like 30. Um, he was 28 or 29. I want to say, because he was playing minor league baseball Stetson Bennett's just not cut from the Brandon Whedon cloth, but, uh, that was like a half-ass transition. Brandon Whedon used to play baseball. Okay. Now we talk about baseball. You go first with your first projection. We'll revisit that later, but my yeah. first projection Aaron Judge over under 44 home runs, and does he lead MLB next year? Right now, according to Steamer projections, Aaron Judge is projected to lead the league in home runs at 44. What's your uh, What's your answer? I say under 44, and he doesn't lead the league. Um, I couldn't disagree more. So Aaron Judge. He has made swing changes, and there was something about his swing that he fixed. It was with his hands. He put his hands in a different position going back to his rookie year in 2017, and he was working with Teacher Man. And if you haven't seen Teacher Man on social media, he's one of those swing gurus that now a lot of players are going to. We spoke with Griff Conine, who ended up going to Teacher Man too, and he's like one of the best in the business. And now Aaron Judge's swing, in my opinion, and – according to a lot of people, is as optimized as possible. And, you know, we look at a lot of the X stats, right? The expected stats. Aaron Judge last year had a higher expected slugging percentage than he actually had. 686 slugging to a 705 expected slugging. So there's even more juice in there. I think it's all about health for him. I think he's figured something out. Now, will nine years, $360 million age well? I don't know. We haven't seen six foot seven, 280 pound guys, how they perform in when they're 39 years old, year eight. But in year one of the deal, if he stays healthy, we should see 50 plus. We should see him lead the league in home runs. This is as well tuned of a power hitter that we have in our game and 44 home runs. It's just simply not enough. Okay, so just to to pour water on the Burning Man Festival that we've got going on right now, um, I don't know if there's a better case scenario than, like, what he just did. Like, I don't think that you can get anywhere close to repeating what he just did. I mean, that was so freaking hard, what he did. Agreed. 62 nukes. So you think, let's say, okay, so he goes under 44, so you're projecting 42, so he's hitting 20 less home runs than last year. Yeah, I'm not saying he hits yes. 62, but I think if he hits 12 less, that's 50, and that's still well within his grasp. If he no, was a guy who got super lucky or a lot of the numbers pointed to some regression, then maybe I'd be on the same side. Maybe it was just a freak season, but it wasn't a freak season. The swing changes are real. The expected stats thought he even could have done better than last year like this is a guy now with the best swing in baseball at least close to it who doesn't have to even generate that much power because he's built like a brick shit house. he's gonna be over 50 i'll say it right so, now he's going to be over 50 as long as he stays healthy yeah all i'm gonna say is like i don't as if i were to go into the mind of a pitcher facing aaron judge coming off of 62 homers and the recent recipient of a $360 million deal. 
I am doing everything in my power to not allow a nuke from Aaron Judge. I'm walking him. So I think that Aaron Judge will have the best OBP in baseball by a very, very, very wide margin. I don't think anybody's going to pitch to him. Um, but I don't kind think of a cop he- out because nobody pitched to Barry Bonds either, and he saw one strike a game and hit seventy three. Like, are yeah, you going to throw? Bonds was superhuman juicing. Okay, but is there anybody bigger than Aaron Judge right now? He's a freak in nature. And what I will say is Aaron Judge used to struggle with the slider. Like, if we're looking at run value, he had a three-run value against the slider in 2021. He had a two in 2020. He had actually had a negative four in 2019. He had a 29-run value against sliders last year, better than he hit fastballs. There's no pitch right now that you can get by Aaron Judge. No fastballs, no sliders. You can hang curveballs in. He's going to hit it to the moon. You can't throw sinkers. You can't throw changeups. So, yes, he could have his – if you just never pitch to him all year, he could drop off by 15 home runs. That's over 44. Give me the over. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess I'm just being a super negative Nancy, and I'm thinking, like, there's no way that he can do this shit again because it's this so your, hard to anywhere close to replicating. Is this your 95-5 Giants hat on? That you're just I think so to a Yankee fan. I think so. Yeah. Like that's what it feels like. But I think 44 is a good number to be set at because I think he's going to be right around 44. I would say 40 to 42 is where judge is, which you know what is still probably going to be top five in baseball. I think you're smoking some of the legal drugs in California. All right. I just think, dude, I just think Pete Alonso is going to be the Homer King. I will bet you. I'll bet you right now, right on the spot. Like, Let's I think it. I think there's going to be a 50 homer guy. There's going to be one 50 homer guy, and it's going to be Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso hit like 38 last year. He's going to hit 12 more, and Judge is going to hit 20 less. I don't Jeez, know. Dude. All right, the big variance. Okay. okay, Yankee fan. All right, going to the OBP point though. Um, my first one: Steamer has Juan Soto at a 4.31 OBP, 48 points higher than Freddie Freeman's projected OBP, which is second. Juan Soto had a 401 OBP this past year. The batting average was really low. But again, we saw like nobody wanted to pitch to Juan Soto. 30 points better than this past year. Do we really think that's what's going to happen with Juan Soto on a team where he is protected by guys so pitchers can't get away with walking him and dealing with the next guy? Because chances are the next guy is Manny Machado. You know what I mean? So if he was at 401 – and he spent the majority of the year on a Washington team where pitchers didn't need to throw to Juan Soto because they would just get three outs right after him. I I don't think that he leads the league in OBP via a very wide margin. 431, I say it plummets lower than that. I It's funny. Looking back at Juan Soto's year, like he did not objectively not have a good year by his standards. Like you said, 401 OBP, 853 OPS. It was a weird year, I thought. Um, you're in trade talks. All you hear about is that you're going to get dealt and it's going to be the biggest deal. You have ownership changes there. I bet there was a lot in his head. And on top of that, you made that great point. There was no motivation. You know, guys are pitching around him. I felt like he was getting a bit more aggressive than in previous years. And then he moves over to San Diego where we've seen guys. It takes a little bit of time to adjust. 
like we saw Marcus Semien in his first stint in Texas, you know, go through those two really tough months. So you go from a team who's not trying at all. You're in trade talks all season long. That's got to be in your head. And then you move to a completely new area and you're right in the thick of the playoff hunt on a completely new team on on a separate side of the country. Like Juan Soto didn't hit fastballs like he did last year. Like there was just a lot of things that went into Soto's year that makes me think that he is due to revert back to the Ted Williams-esque type player. Like by Steamer, he's projected to lead all of Major League Baseball in war. And now while I kind of disagree with that because I think Aaron Judge is going to end up leading the league in war again or at least be close to it because of how good his defense is and how bad Soto's defense is. I'm actually going to go over that OBP. 431. I'm going to go over that. I think that we're going to see a 450 type year from Juan Soto. I think we could see an MVP type year. I think we could see a 290, 440, 550 type year where he is easily one of the best players in baseball. And then again, referred to as the best left-handed hitter in the sport. Um, So I, I'm a big Juan Soto believer this year. I think settling down back in San Diego in his first full season, I think he's going to be ready to go. No distractions, only trying to win. And he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy. I'm going to go over. So I think the hit number jumps. Right. He he dropped 30 hits in two more games, like 10 more plate appearances. So 2021, he had 157 hits in 654 plate appearances. 2022, he had 30 fewer hits in 10 more plate appearances. Um, 22, he still led Major League Baseball in walks and he was 30 points shy of a 431 OBP. He had a 401 OBP, which is still really freaking good. I don't think anybody is like a 430 OBP guy this coming year. And Soto, I don't know, man. It's I think the batting average is going to get a lot better. Like he's not a 245 hitter. We know that. That's clear as day. Um, is he going to be a 315 hitter like he was in 21? I'm not sure. You say yes. I say maybe. I'm thinking like 290 batting average. But I'm thinking OBP in like the 400 to 410 range. Um and I, I think there's a really good chance that he doesn't lead baseball in walks this year. I think that he's going to walk a shit ton, but I wouldn't put, you know, leading the league by a wide margin on my bingo card. I think top three in the league in walks would be great. Um, I don't know. I just think there's so much talent around him protecting him that he's going to see some pitches. And I don't think that necessarily results in this astronomic OBP that we saw from him. I mean, the guy had a 490 OBP, but in 47 games in 2020. And 21, it just feels like, A, there was no protection, and B, he was having an out-of-body experience, and that's what resulted in the 465. 431 is an incredibly high number. 400 is a really high number, too. Especially until Tatis comes back. But even when he does, I still think he might be the guy who I'm not throwing to. I still might take my chances with Machado. I still might take my chances with Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto still scares the living daylights out of me if I'm a pitcher. Like, he might be the guy who I try and stay away from. Like, don't let Soto beat me. Because that 2021 year, that's what Soto is. Like, I think this was a, and by the numbers, it's around a 20th, 25% out out 
20, 20 to 20. It's a big, it's a lot of big words. 20th percentile outcome for Soto. If he reverts, reverts back to the 50th percentile outcome, I think that's where he's going to be. And I think the See, projection makes sense. Think, God, I don't think 50th percentile is a 430 OBP. I think like, because what would you call 21? The 100th percentile outcome? Like that's I, the best version of Juan Soto that, we'll like, ever 80th, see. I, 80th percentile. I think he could No be, way. I think he could go down as one of the greatest hitters of all time. Okay. So yes, if he keeps on repeating 2021, that he will. Yeah. 313, 465, 534. So like, if he's 440, that's still less. If he hits 290 to 300, that's still less. Yeah, the but it's 465. Is 465 the 100th percentile outcome? I say yes, it is. No, I think like a 475, 484. Jesus, dude. That's 100th percentile outcome. Remember, 100. Like we just saw Aaron Judge have 62 home runs. That's 100th percentile outcome. That was Aaron Judge's 100th percentile outcome. Exactly. Exactly. This past year. So you exactly. think the best is yet to come for Soto? Yes. Wow. I think it's a freaking nature. I think he will go down as one of the best hitters we have in our era ever. And I think it's going to be consistent 430 to 450 OBPs for him for the next eight to nine. Years. He is, he is the ultimate. Like he is That's crazy. He's as good as anybody we've ever seen with our eyes. Damn. That's crazy. All right. Your next I one. Think so. All right. Next one. Um, this one is pretty interesting because I was shocked by this one, but the more I look into it, the more I thought to myself, Hmm. Interesting. Who has more strikeouts in 2023 Hunter green or Spencer Strider. Hunter Green had is projected 212 in 168 innings next year. Spencer Strider is only projected 208 in 154 innings. Now, Strider had over he had 202 strikeouts in about 131 innings, struck guys out at a 38% rate, while Hunter Green was at a 30% rate. He had 164 strikeouts in 125 innings. But Hunter Green found something in the second half, and it's reflected by the numbers. After the All-Star break, so he had a really rough start. 90 innings, 113 strikeouts. So he's still striking out guys, but a 5-7-8 ERA. Fast forward to the second half. Now, it was only 35 innings, but a 1.02 ERA, 51 strikeouts. This is a strikeout king. Hunter Green, if you aren't familiar, pitcher for the Reds, one of their best young pitching prospects, him and Nick Lodolo. Hunter Green is a 100-mile-an-hour flamethrower. So if you say, well, Strider's got 100 with the slider, so does Green. Like, these guys are two of the Jacob deGrom-esque style pitchers where it's 100 at your neck with the high with the low 90s slider or high 80s slider. Like, that's what these guys are. Now, they're not Jacob deGrom yet. Strider was almost as good in, in 2022, but Hunter Green has that potential. And it was interesting that Green is projected to have more strikeouts. Now it's on an innings thing. So by a percentage, Strider is still projected higher, but on an innings, do we think Strider gets over 150 innings? I'm curious what your perspective is on Strider versus Green. Yes, Strider gets over 150 innings. Um, I think Strider unlocked this confidence that Hunter Green has yet to fully unlock. Does that make any sense? Like Hunter Green got hit in a couple of outings and there were outings where he couldn't really find the strike zone. Like 
even his best, I, I do think that Hunter Green had better outings than this, but even his quote-unquote best when he took a no-hitter into the ninth in Pittsburgh, didn't he walk like six guys, five or six yeah. guys? Yeah. I mean, like you don't feel great. Obviously, you feel great about the no-hitter going into the ninth, but six walks against the Pirates, like they should not be walking six times against you. So I think that Strider has a little bit more of that badass mf mentality that he was able to accumulate over a really, really good season. And I think you can see that in the K-rate. Um, Strider in 22 at a 38% K-rate. Hunter Green had a 31% K-rate. That's a 7% difference. So I do think that Strider and Green throw comparable amounts of innings. I think they're both around like the 140 to 155 range. Um, and I think that Strider will pass up green by a pretty wide margin in the strikeout total. I think it's going to be pretty close. I would side with Strider. The only reason why I think it will be relatively close is I do think that green will throw more innings next year. He's got a more durable body. Um, and I am slightly concerned about Strider's durability in 2023. So he threw 131 innings last year. I just, he, you know, green has been training, as a starting pitcher for his entire life. Strider has two, but there was also times where they like Strider came into spring training and he won a job. Like he wasn't always this tippity top prospect starter from the beginning. They're working his innings and they know that's what he's going to be. He kind of came out of nowhere while green has not come out of nowhere. He's always been, this will be the starting pitcher. This will be the guy. So I just, I think it will be Strider because if he throws 150 innings, we could see 220 strikeouts. While if Green throws 175 innings, we'll see like 220. So the strikeout percentage will be higher. So I will go with Strider. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think because of that durability. Green is 6'4", 220. Like Strider is still a shorter guy. I know he's got tree trunks and he'll be able to throw. But I am slightly concerned about his overall durability. Okay, uh, I hear you on it. Strider threw about 94 innings in the minor leagues in 2021. Hunter Green threw 106 innings, so there was about a 10-inning difference there. Um, Hunter Green in the minor leagues was about 12 Ks per nine. He was about 11 and a half this past year. Strider, you know, I mean, shit, like obviously it's kind of an outlier here, but last year he was 14 and a half Ks per nine, and then he goes to Major League Baseball and he's over 13 and a half Ks per nine. So I I think that they both have like this, this background as a starter. Obviously, Green was dealing with Tommy John, you know, after he was drafted out of high school. Strider was a, um, a, a 2020 guy out of Clemson. Um, it was 2021 was their first year of handling like the largest workload of their lives. And then they get to Major League Baseball and they handled the largest workload of their lives. They're on very similar paths in terms of building up to 200 innings. Neither of them are going to get to 200. I don't think neither of them sniff 200 innings. But I wouldn't say that like Green has this background of being an innings eater and Strider doesn't because it feels very similar in terms of innings workload. No, and I, yeah, I, I I totally get that. I just... I also think um, you said one point where you don't know if, if Green found that confidence, but... I would almost argue that he did at least through August and September. Like we saw like eight strikeout game, eight strikeout, 11 strikeout, eight strikeout, 10 strikeout, eight strikeout, eight strikeout. And this is all in five to six innings of work. 
Like he found something. The command was much better. Like he was one of those pitchers I remember tailing at the end of the season because like it's got to hit at some point. And he really started to pitch. Like he was the most popular, at least in my mind, for over strikeouts. Hunter Green over strikeouts. Yeah. It was at six and a half, seven and a half, and he just kept hitting it because he is that type of guy. But I think we're both on the same side as we are taking Strider. I just don't think like I think it's going to be a lot closer while you think it's going to be a wider margin. I think it's like they steamer has it green winning that. I think yeah. it's going to be Strider winning it, but I think but it close. could be within 10 strikeouts. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Um, next one from me. Steamer's got Mike Trout playing 150 games and hitting 256 with an 880 OPS. So I want to ask you about the games played and OPS. 150 games. Over or under 150 games played for Mike Trout? We have to go under. I have to. Just never bet on this over. It's kind of like I'm writing up right now um, an early look at MLB projected win totals. And the White Sox, for example, are at 85 and a half. And the White Sox, if everything clicks and everybody stays healthy, they should go over this. But you have to bet on unders like that because they haven't proved it. Like Mike Trout hasn't proved it. The back thing, it went viral because doctors came out and said it might be the end of his career. Now, Mike Trout said, screw you. No, it ain't. And he played the rest of the season, hit 40 home runs. So I'm never going to doubt Mike Trout, but 150 games, you just can't, you can't go over similar to Jacob deGrom on steamer projected 172 innings. I can't go over on that, but going back to the OPS way over. He'll probably be a night over, right? <laughs> yeah. If he plays five games, if he plays 162 games, he's over an 880 OPS. He's a lifetime 1,000 OPS guy. How the hell can you tell me that he's going to have an 880 OPS this year? Yeah. False. So, so that's that's why I, I think about Juan Soto comes back into my head because I think that Mike Trout and Juan Soto will be the best hitters from our era. I really do. I think it's those two that will end yeah, up. Trout's done it way longer than so. Oh, of course, of course. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not comparing them right now. I'm just saying when we're doing the Just Baseball show in 2074, yeah. we'll remember Juan Soto and Mike Trout from this era. Yeah, I plan on being retired by 2074, so I will not be doing the Just Baseball what about, show. What about the honorable mentions in 2074, Emmanuel Classe uh, the third? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. What? We'll call him Trey. Trey Class A. That That's sounds great. Name. That's a sick name. All right. Your next one. <laughs> All right. My next one. Uh, who do you think posts a lower ERA in 2023? Andres Munoz or Edwin Diaz? So Steamer has Andres Munoz leading relievers, all major league pitchers in ERA at 241, while Edwin Diaz is at 244. Now we saw both these guys post incredible ERAs last year. We saw um, Edwin Diaz in the low ones, and for Andres Munoz, he was at 249. So yeah. they actually have Munoz getting a little bit better. Well, they have Edwin Diaz kind of regressing by a good amount. I was shocked when I saw that they have Munoz out of all relievers projected to finish first in ERA. What do you think? So I was kind of shocked when I saw that too. It makes sense because he's got disgusting stuff and he's going to be handed a higher leverage workload by Seattle this year. But how can you watch Edwin Diaz in 2022 and think, yeah, there might be a better reliever this year than Edwin Diaz in terms of just ERA, right? I I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't see a world where Edwin Diaz allows runs in, in any outing because the stuff is so ridiculously good. And you know, 
the way City Field receives him for home games to close him out, I mean, he's not allowing runs. Like, yeah, innings aren't getting away from Edwin Diaz at City Field. That's not how that shit works, man. He's the narco guy. Um, I would say it's Edwin Diaz versus the field. Interesting, though, that Munoz is ahead of him. Another interesting aspect of this, Emmanuel Classe is four by reliever ERA. And I think Classe is almost the safest pick to lead in reliever ERA. Not only because he's Emmanuel Classe and he's got an 102-mile-an-hour cutter that he just runs in on people and is, is nasty and the slider is world-class, but because he's got like a 60% ground ball rate. So nobody lifts against him. Balls don't leave the yard against Emmanuel Classe. Balls can leave the yard against Edwin Diaz. Um, and that's why I was kind of shocked. But it's Munoz, Diaz, and Johan Duran who have better projected reliever ERAs than Emmanuel Classe. And, and I think Classe should be one. So we were ranking relievers. Uh, we went on a Zoom and spoke for about four hours on all these. Yeah, it was like three and, and a half hours. That shit was, was crazy. It was awesome. It was my favorite thing ever. Um, and we're going to rank Andres Munoz pretty high. And I went back and I was like, I got to make sure. So watch video. I mean, this guy is disgusting. The next Edwin Diaz. In terms of XERA, Edwin Diaz finished with a 169. So compared to his 131 regular ERA. Andres Munoz, 249 regular ERA, 184 expected ERA. I think with another year under his belt, Andres Munoz will have a better ERA than Edwin Diaz because Edwin Diaz at the same time, like he's obviously figured something out, but we've seen Edwin Diaz figure it out and then have a rough season back to back. Things have to go perfectly for you to put up back to back seasons of a one, three, nine, not to say that he couldn't, that is not what I'm saying. I believe he is going to be under two once again. Yeah. But I think Munoz is Munoz is going to be a one, eight. Diaz is around one nine. And I think Munoz establishes himself as one of, if not the best reliever in the sport. And we know how often it changes. We know how often it changes and consistency with relievers is tough. Like if we were saying last year that hater would have a four ERA, we'd have been like, what false, no shot. It can happen. Sometimes there's a changing of the guard. And if there is going to be a changing of the guard, Give me Andres Munoz on the Seattle Mariners. He is going to be so freaking good. We might have to rank him higher. We already made our list, but we might have to rank him higher after we're done with this. All right. Um, Okay. Next one from me. We're going to play a game. Higher or lower. And these are in comparison to Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm. Fernando Tatis Jr., his projected F war is 5.3 in the 2023 season. 5.3 5.3 across 118 games. I have three guys that are projected 150 games played. And I want you to tell me, do they have a higher or lower projected F more than Fernando Tatis Jr., who will play 32 fewer games? Than so these not, guys? not my not my personal opinion. No, what you think. Has. Okay. Yes. Jose Ramirez, higher or lower than Fernando Tatis Jr. with 32 more games played? Lower. Lower. Nolan Arenado, higher or lower? Lower. Lower. Manny Machado, higher or lower? The same. Lower. Mm. 
This is just crazy. 118 games. Tatis has a projected 5.3 F4. J-Ram, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, all of a 5.2 or 5.1 in 150 games. I don't, I, I understand like, hey, Tatis steals bases and he hits nukes. How the fuck can we do that? It's it's a lofty projection. They're projecting once he comes back to be the best player in baseball. I think that's what those kind of say. And, and shit, that's kind of what I'm assuming he does. Yeah. I mean, could he do that? Yes, of course he could. Um, but if I was a betting man, you can't bet on that. No. You'd have to bet on J Ram Machado and Arenado, three of the most consistent players in the sport yeah. overtaking Tatis. But if you're looking for upside, I see why they did that. Because if you're looking at projections, what do you project from Tatis based on his numbers? He's a rod. Like that's yeah. the level of player. He's 40 home runs a year. He's 30 bags a year. He's 100 RBIs. He hits 300. And if you move him to an outfield spot where he can be a crazy freak athlete and not have his war bogged down by shortstop, well, he's not a bad defender, but he's not a great defender either. It makes sense. If I was a betting man, give me those three. If I'm if I'm getting crazy, I don't hate it. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I got you. What do you think? Um, I... I think that there's something to say about like the nuclear nature of Fernando Tatis. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's the beauty of baseball because I'm willing to bet on the consistency of Arenado and Jose Ramirez. But like, then you've got this guy that is so much better than like the second and third best player in baseball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've got Otani and then you've got everybody else. Right. But in terms of the everybody else, it's, yeah, like there's a chance that Fernando Tatis Jr. is far better than the next best guy. Yeah. And who's the next best guy? Trout, like Mookie Soto, Betts. Mookie Judge, Soto, yeah. Harper. Healthy Acuna, Aaron yeah. Judge, Bryce Harper. Like Fernando Tatis at his best is way better than all those guys at their best, which is just fucking crazy to say because he's in 1100 OPS possibility and a 4040 possibility. Yeah. Like, if anybody is ever going to go 50-50, it might be fucking that guy. But there's something to say about consistency and not doing drugs um, and not riding motorcycles. Yes. What I will say is when I compared him to A-Rod, like that is an out of left field. Their numbers no, early on are very Alex, similar. Yes. And like, just so you know, like Joe Posnanski, one of my favorite interviews we ever done, author of the, um, the Baseball 100, ranking the top 100 play- players in MLB history. A-Rod yes. is in the top 20. Like, that's the talent. There it is. Mike Trout on his list is 27. That's yeah. the talent. Like, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. If he can do it, he could easily be the best. It's yeah. just about can he do it. All right. All right. Your next one, we've got about, like, a little under 10 minutes, so we got to go relatively rapid fire the next uh, – we've, we've each got two left. Who finishes with a higher war among the new free agents, Trey Turner or Xander Bogarts? Trey Turner's projected a 4.7. Xander Bogart's projected a 4.5. Last year, Trey Turner had a 6.3 to Bogart's is 6.1. How do you think they both adjust? Position. Bogart's, does he play short all year with Tatis coming back? You assume Trey Turner's going to play short the whole year. Trey Turner's defense is diminishing, but so is Xander Bogart's. Very close last year. Very close projection this year. Who finishes with a higher war between the two new free agents? 
a tough one. Turner. And don't ask me why. I totally Trey agree. Turner. I'm just going to go with Turner. I think he's going to do more things on the field, whether the stolen bases push him right over the edge. But there's something about Bogarts' bat that I understand why it could be close. Remember, you're going from Fenway to Petco. Those ballparks are incredibly different. Couldn't be more different. Um, Facing different pitching, of course. Trey Turner, been the National League, more at home in Philadelphia. That's kind of why he went over to the Phillies. I think he finds his home. I think it takes Bogarts a little bit to get adjusted. And I think Turner finishes with a higher war. I agree with you. I just think there's a chance like something goes wrong for Bogarts. You know what I mean? Trey Turner is one of the best pure ball players on planet Earth. I mean, he is just so smooth and so ridiculously talented. And Bogarts, like there's a chance that he slumps for a month. Trey Turner doesn't slump for a month. He's always... Flirting with the batting title and flirting with the league lead in stolen bases. I, he's safer. There's just something about Trey Turner, man. He's just safer. He's safer yeah. than Xander Bogarts. All right. Uh, two guys are projected 200-plus innings. Sandy Alcantara at 211. Shane Bieber at 203. Hmm. It's not an over or under. Do you think Shane Bieber's a 200-inning guy? If healthy, yes. He is a dog. Like, we don't give Shane Bieber enough credit for being one of the best pitchers in baseball. Doesn't really matter his velocity. The command is immaculate. The off-speed stuff, immaculate. He's as good of a pitcher that we have in our league. If he's healthy, he'll be a 200-inning guy. It's kind of like Nola. It's just, if he's healthy, he's a seven-inning guy a game. He's not the Julio Arias where the Guardians, uh, the Dodgers hold Arias to five. Like He is their horse. He should be seven innings per game over 30 starts, it's going to be around 200 innings. So Nola and Manoa are projected 199. Does Nola go over 199? Nola does go over 199. Manoa doesn't. Burns, Cole, Merrill Kelly at 197. Shout out Merrill Kelly. Guy's a star. Uh, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, does either of those guys get to 200 innings? Garrett Cole does. Burns does not. Okay. I'm, it, I couldn't be more with you on all of that. Perfect. Easy one. We'll move on. Does any batter in MLB finish with 200 strikeouts? Kyle Schwarber had 200 on the nose last year. A. Eugenio Suarez with the Mariners had 196. So the highest projected strikeout guy by Steamer on Fangraphs is Suarez. Again, projected 191, followed by Adolis Garcia, Matt Chapman, and then again, Kyle Schwarber. Does any player finish with 200 of those four or do none of them? Not of those four. I believe not of those four. But what I do believe is that Joey Gallo is going to get everyday reps in Minnesota. And I think Joey Gallo finishes with over 200 strikeouts. It's so funny you said that because that was going to be one of my answers. And I had two. Joey Gallo won. And I do think Kyle Schroeder gets over 200 strikeouts again. And the reason why – the reason why – is Schwarber was not batting leadoff for the Phillies all year. As we know, you hit leadoff, you get the most at-bats, and with a strikeout guy like Schwarber, you're prone to just striking out more. He had 38 home runs in the leadoff. Like, he is amazing. He's a, he's yeah. a good hitter, but he strikes out a ton. Yeah, I think the Phillies found something in Schwarber. I know they got Trey Turner, but I could see Turner hitting in the two-hole. Maybe that lineup goes lefty-righty-lefty lefty with Schwarber, Turner, Harper, then Reese Hoskins. That's at 2-3-4. 
or one, two, three, four, lefty, righty, you know, all those splits. Yeah. I think they're going to keep Schwarber in the leadoff hole. He had 164 strikeouts and 564 plate appearances. Like he was, uh, he would be on pace if he leads off all year to be well over 200. He but might he, get more you know, playoff. Yeah, he might get six, more plate appearances. Fourth, you don't get as many at bats. If he is one of the league leaders in at bats next year, he will go over 200. But I agree with you. Joey Gallo is going to get a lot of run. He's going to strike it over 200 times. Those are my two. Yeah, Gallo's going to fucking play, man. I mean, that, play? that's the thing. Like, he didn't really play with the Dodgers. He's going to play in Minnesota. Um, I got to say, right. not many Yankee fans are probably rooting for Joey Gallo. I'm rooting for Joey Gallo. I'm rooting he for deserved, Joey Gallo hard. I hope he regains what he had because he was a good player for Texas. There's a reason that he was highly coveted. He's yeah. been bad. I'm rooting for him. All right. All these guys are clumped up. You ready? I want yep. you to rank these six by OPS. And this is the last one, right? Yep. Okay. Rank these six by projected OPS. And, and they're all in like the low 700s. I think they're 720 to 717. Okay. Jose Abreu, Anthony Rizzo, Byron Buxton, Josh Bell, O'Neill Cruz, Ezekiel Tovar. Those six. Um, I'm going to go Rizzo one. I think the, he is one of the players that by a lot of the numbers is top 10 in, um, with the shift being banned that he should do much better. And he's a huge walk guy. You're going to name each guy and I'm going to tell you where they actually are. I'm going to go Rizzo, Rizzo number one. Rizzo is number six. He is last. Jeez. Okay. He's last. He's last. Okay. Off to a great start. Yeah. Um, so it's Abreu, Buxton, O'Neill, Cruz. Buxton, Abreu, Buxton, Bell, Tovar, Cruz. OPS. I'll go Buxton, two. Buxton's five. You're Jeez. working backwards. This is so bad, but this yeah. is what I think. Um, I will go... Okay, so Tovar three. He's probably one. Tovar's two. Tovar's two. All right, I'm going to go Tovar three. Coors bump, naturally. O'Neal is last for me. O'Neal is three. Okay, he's last for me. Okay. And then I'm going to go Abreu right after Tovar? No, Abreu's the leader. Abreu's the leader. But for me, I'm going Abreu right below Tovar. Okay. And then who's last? Uh, Josh Bell is so, fourth of six. So in okay. terms of projected OPS, Jose Abreu, Ezekiel Tovar, O'Neill Cruz, Josh Bell, Byron Buxton, Anthony Rizzo. Again, those two are very clumped up. Like, or those six are very clumped up, like within five points. That's and they're all up. right under 720. I'd go Rizzo one, Buxton two, Tovar three, Abreu four, um, Bell five, Bell five Cruz six. Cruz six. Okay. What would you Fair. go if you had to rank them? Yeah, I would probably go Buxton one, Abreu two, Cruz three, Rizzo four, Bell five, Tovar six. Interesting. That'll yeah. do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening. These were fan graphs projected stats by their steamer projections awesome go check it out on fan graphs they have plenty of projections you can nerd out for hours we could have done 50 questions on these and we'll be sure to be implementing these projections when we talk 
about our top 10 overalls, which are coming very soon, probably at the beginning of February. We're going to get those locked and loaded. Plenty of information, plenty of articles are coming out on JustBaseball.com. If you have enjoyed this episode, we'd greatly appreciate five-star reviews, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you just watched us on YouTube, hit us with a like. Hit us with a comment of how what you think about these projections. If you think anything that we were saying was insane, because it probably was to some people, and let us know what you agree with. And hit that subscribe button on YouTube as well. Anything else, Jack, before we go? I don't think so. Uh, frogs to cover, dogs to win. That's what happened last night. And with that, thank you, everybody. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.